Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Dee McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee. How are you, Jake? Not too bad at all, my friend. But breathing the weather, hoping the, the power stays on. But other than that, can't complain. Yes. Um, apologies to our listeners if you hear any noises in the background. It's blowing an absolute hooli <laughs> and hailstones and just rain and it's awful 75 mile an hour winds earlier on it's just absolutely appalling um so yeah yeah apologies if you get some background noise i'm trying uh, try and sort that out as best we can uh but jake the championship games are done they're done we know who is playing in the super bowl as does everybody else by this point so no surprises when we tell you that the kansas city chiefs are going to be taking on the san francisco 49ers in las vegas for the right to be crowned NFL champions, champions of the Americas. They call them world champions, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, So, yeah. Um, Did you enjoy your championship weekend, Jake? I did. It was a bizarre one because both teams that won, you know, they can feel like they deserve to win, but both teams that lost can only blame themselves. So it it was wild. Uh, could have gone either way in, in both games, and it's just you can't really ask for a better one. Like I say, we started the playoffs in the, in the wild card with a few blowouts, and then as you would hope and as you would think, as the playoffs have, have developed, the games have got closer and closer. So let's hope for a good Super Bowl. Yes, indeed. Uh, the championship games were, I mean, you're absolutely right. They could have gone either way. Um, we're going to kick off our podcast with starting with the AFC championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. They were the number one seed in front of 71,439 fans who watched Kansas City come in and win by a score of 17-10. to 10. Uh, Just before we actually talk about the game, a couple of box scores. Patrick Mahomes, 30 of 39, 241 yards, one touchdown, no picks, rating of 100.5. Leading rusher, Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries, 68 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver, Travis Kelsey, who had 11 catches on 11 targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, uh, Lamar Jackson was 20 of 37 for 272 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which we will definitely talk about uh, for a rating of 75.5. He was also the leading rush at eight attempts for 54 yards. Leading receiver was Zay Flowers. Uh, plenty of talk about Zay Flowers. Five catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. You look at his box score and you think, hey, what a ha- game. He had a good game, didn't he, Jake? But when you watch the game, as I know you did, um, he really didn't have a great game, did he? I mean, he played well as far as playing as a wide receiver goes, but... Do you know what? Why don't I just let you talk about it, Jake? I was absolutely gobsmacked with Zay Flowers in this game. And I think uh, you'll agree with me, definitely one of the reasons that Baltimore didn't win this game. Yeah, certainly. One of the reasons they were in the game, one of the reasons they were out of the game. I mean, I think until the last play in the third quarter, I think it was, where Rashad Bateman got a catch. He was the only wide receiver with a catch. So, again, you look at his stats, you look at that, and you think, wow, how can you how can you slander this man who's you know outperforming everybody else in the wide receiver room? Well, his biggest play, which I think was about 50, 54 yards, uh, he, great catch, great run. 
pushes the quarterback down, then push keeps them down, taunts over them, costs his team 15 yards for, for no reason. Um, that surely won't come back to bite him because he does that to Legere Sneed, who's had a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, later on in the game, he gets a catch. He's right near the end zone. He stretches out. And Legere Sneed comes with a fantastic play and knocks the ball out, goes into the end zone. They recover it for a touchback. That would have been, I think, 17 14. Mm-hmm. And, you know, game right back on. And instead, it was 17 7. Kansas City had to have the ball. And after that, you kind of felt they, they never kind of looked back. And it was an instant karma of just being like, why would you clown on Legere Sneed, who's having a great year? And then all of a sudden, it immediately comes back to bite him in the backside, which was hilarious, but also Baltimore fan, not very hilarious. Yeah, so basically, that it, it all happened in a, essentially a five-play sequence. Uh, it was, it was, as you see, right at the end of the third quarter, uh, it was only 49 seconds to go. It was a 54-yard catch. He then does the taunting, um, 15 yards, um, there was an incomplete pass, and then he catches the pass for 14 yards to, <laughs> you know, uh, f- to take it down to the nine-yard line. So getting those 15 yards back, essentially, another incomplete, uh, a completion, sorry, to Richard Bateman, and then that pass to Zay Flowers. And then after he fumbled, Zay Flowers goes to the sidelines, smacks his helmet down on, on the bench, <laughs> I believe, and cuts his hand open. And you're thinking, what, what are you doing? Just what are you doing? This is this isn't week four. This is the AFC Championship game. I mean, considering he, I mean the catch he made for for the fifty four yards was fantastic, and then to get the other fourteen yards and, and his actual catch for the the eight yards before he fumbles was a good catch and a good run, and he did everything right. But he stretched across the goal line. Across the goal line on second down. And anyone who has been watching the NFL over the past, let's say, 25 years or 20, 40 years, Bill Belichick has been in New England, will know you never stretch the ball across the goal line unless it's fourth down, when you have to score. This was on a second down play. And you're thinking, what on earth? earth are you doing Zay Flowers? Now, not, I'm not saying Zay Flowers cost them this game, but as you rightly said, Jake, that would have been three points. That would have, it would, they would have been right back in it with momentum. And right out there, it just absolutely deflated them. Um, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what to say about that, but they didn't manage uh, the... Baltimore Ravens in this game did really not manage anything with regards to running the ball, keeping the ball at all, time of possession. The Kansas City Chiefs had the ball for 15 minutes longer than the Ravens did. 37-30 to 22-30. A full quarter the Chiefs had the ball. The Ravens rushed the ball 16 times for 81 yards. And eight of those rushes came from, from Lamar. I mean, what do you make of that? It it, it reads worse. Well, it's worse than it reads. I would say they had the the first play from scrimmage was a, a running back 
they only did that five more times the entire game because they had two end arounds by Safe Flowers, quite a few runs from Lamar Jackson, and you had Justice Hill and Gus Edwards and the, the number one Russian attack, and you ran the ball with a running back six times in the entire game. I mean, it was working as well. Uh, early on, they ran, um, and then Lamar ran on the fourth and uh, fourth and one. Then they had a, a 15-yard run by Edwards, and this set up the, the Zay Flowers touchdown. And you think, oh, wow, this is going great. You know, exactly how you expect the Ravens to, to run the ball, and then, you know, if an opportunity arises to pass down the field, go for it. And they just completely got away from it. And it's, you know, you see games where you're down three, four scores, and you're like, okay, I understand you've got to stop running the game. They were never out of this game. They were always close. The scoreline suggests that I, I don't know why they got away with it. And then they come out the start of the second half, and they run the ball, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe they kind of just got lost in lost in the moment in the first half. At least the second half, they're going to come out, you know, establish, nope, nope, we're not going to run the ball anymore. It, it was just bizarre, and... Kansas City, I mean, a tale of two halves for themselves. They came out absolutely flying. Mm. Mahomes was 11 for 11, 91 yards at a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, as you mentioned, 11 receptions from 11 targets. Well, he was 3 for 36 on the opening drive alone. I mean, they were flying. And then the second half, punt five times and then kneel the ball. And three of those punts were three and outs. The, the Ravens' defense did their job. Um, Mike McDonald most likely going to be head coach of Seattle, I would mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he held up his part of the bargain. The defense played absolutely fantastic, as did the Chiefs defense, Steve Spagnuolo. That Chiefs defense, absolutely fantastic. But you know, as much as the, the Chiefs won this game, the Ravens just really cost themselves. Like I, say, I don't understand what Todd Monken, the, the offensive coordinator, was doing. I don't understand why Zay Flowers is trying to boast over Legere's need when the game's still ongoing and it came back to bite him. And we, you kind of mentioned the, the interception was one of the ugliest interceptions you'll see. I mean, triple coverage. And I think that was on like second down as well. Forcing it when you don't need to force it and it really did cost themselves. It did. Now on that drive, I believe it actually started on the Ravens one yard line. Uh, from, there was some incredible punts going on. Uh, from from the, the Chiefs there. Just down on the one-yard line, well, there you go. Um, that whole drive for the Ravens was full of drama. Uh, from the very first play, uh, there was a tripping in the end zone, which wasn't called. Should have been a safety. Uh, Ravens got away with it. Uh, two plays later, there was a no-call uh, DPI on OBJ. Three plays later, there was another no-call on OBJ, although I think that one might have been slightly... I don't know if they would call it uncatchable, but he was definitely stretching and it went beyond his outstretched hand. Um, and on the interception, I think you could argue again, there was pass interference on that one or, or holding, whichever one you want to, to actually call on it. But the Ravens had numerous chances to win this game and they just couldn't get it done. And as you mentioned, the, the defense, Ravens' defense, Roquan Smith was absolutely incredible in this game for the Ravens. But on the other side, uh, Chris Jones for the Chiefs was just absolutely spectacular. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, that the defense for the Chiefs really made the difference in this game. Um, but Mahomes did play well. Travis Kelsey, as you've already mentioned, had an incredible game. And then there was one huge play on their final drive to MVS again. <laughs> just sort of appears in the playoffs as that two weeks in a row two games in a row now he's had a massive catch essentially to to ice the game seal the game for the chiefs 
and um, they move on to their uh, th- third, fourth Super Bowl. Third Super Bowl. Fourth Super Bowl. Big fourth part. in five years. Fourth Super Bowl in five years. Um, and it's it's going to be hard to stop this Chiefs team. It really is. Um, but we've got to take over to the NFC, Jake. Because uh, if anyone's going to stop this Chiefs team, surely it's got to be whoever won the NFC Championship game. And that came down, the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions at Levi's Stadium in front of 71,824 fans. And uh, wouldn't you know, the home team, the San Francisco 49ers, prevailed with a 34-31 victory. And early on in this game, Jake... It did not look like it was going to happen. I'm going to read a couple of box scores uh, before we talk about the game itself. Jared Goff was 25 for 41, 273 yards and a touchdown, rating of 88.8. Leading rusher David Montgomery, 15 carries for 93 and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs had 12 for 45 and a touchdown. And Jameson Williams had 1 for 42 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So the Lions were running it well. Uh, Leading receiver was Sam Laporta. He had 9 catches for 97 yards. Though Jameson Williams had 2 for 25 and another touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Brock Purdy, 20 of 31, 267 yards, one touchdown, one pick, rating of 89. Uh, Leading rusher, Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 90 yards and two touchdowns. But Brock Purdy carried five times at 48 yards. Elijah Mitchell had four for seven and a touchdown. And leading receiver, Debo Samuel, eight catches, 89 yards. Although Brandon Ayuk, who had a... Just incredible game catching the ball. Three catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. Jake, I'll let you tell us the story of this game because through the entire first half, (laughs) and we know it's a game of two halves or four quarters, um, I was thinking, wow, wow, the Detroit Lions are absolutely smoking here. Tell us what happened in this game. No, absolutely, and... I was speaking to Innes, who stayed up to watch it, the 49ers fan, and I told him, don't worry. The Lions were 21 nothing up against the Saints in the first quarter, uh, and the Saints only lost by five points, and the Saints suck. So I was like, don't worry, don't lose hope, because he was thinking, oh God, this is over. Don't lose hope. Have a bit of faith. And the Lions, again, as they seemingly always do, exploded out the blocks. Uh, Jameson Williams scoring just two minutes in. Uh, 49ers had a nice little rebuttal drive, but Jake Moody missed a field goal. If only there was a good kicker for the 49ers, who's never missed in the postseason. Um, we keep on bringing it up, but you know, <laughs> wait, wait, they keep on persisting. I think we should be on a uh, like a. I'm just going to say crowdfunding. It's not crowdfunding, but you know what I mean. When you put a, a petition, <laughs> yeah. that's the word, petition to get Robbie Gould back into the NFL. Get him in for the Super Bowl. Well, after that missed field goal, it was 14 nothing very quickly. Um, David Montgomery got his touchdown. CMC managed to peg one back, 14-7 to after a big Juszczyk uh, catch. We then had an ugly interception from Brock Purdy, but in his defense, he was hit on the release. But <laughs> it, was, it was not a great throw. Um, and after the Lions scored again... <laughs> Gardner Johnson, who's back from injury, decided to call game. He was waving goodbye to the fans, twenty to seven in the first half, waving goodbye to the the local Forty Nine er fans, which surely will not come back to haunt him. 
he also delivered a really cheap hit on Debo after that interception as well. Very um, DK Metcalf-esque off the ball, just hitting a player for no reason. As if there's not cameras and referees that are going to watch that. It's just He is on a, a new team every year, Gardner Johnson, because his attitude stinks. But, you know, that's, that's my own personal gripe with him. There was a, a would-be interception from, uh, from Purdy that was somehow turned into an Ayuk catch. Uh, just mesmerizing. Should have been interception, uh, intercepted. Was a touchdown, then it was called back. and It was just a mess. Uh, McCaffrey scored again. Jameer Gibbs then fumbled, and momentum just completely shifted. And the, the fans could tell it as well. So I say the Lions flew out the blocks, but the 49ers, once they could smell blood, they, they did not kind of release it and CMC could have had another touchdown later on they they give it to Elijah Mitchell but he, he was just rumbling and tumbling I don't know if you have anything for this game I've obviously got a bit more but I don't, I don't want to talk for, for too long well the only, the only thing I wanted to add to this so the the Lions in this game and with all apologies to Ewan McPhail they were leading this 24 to 7 at halftime Mm-hmm. And the 49ers, with a 17-point comeback, uh, was the largest comeback in NFC Championship game history. Now, the last time the Lions and the 49ers met, uh, it was actually for an NFL Championship game, uh, pre, uh, pre-Super Bowl era, uh, the 49ers had a 17-point lead at halftime, and the Lions came back and won. Um, and the story goes, and I forget what year it was, uh, because I, I obviously I wasn't alive then. <laughs> this was like the 1950s. Um, but I, I remember seeing a, a video when I've seen that the story goes that the 49ers were popping the champagne at halftime. And then the Lions came <laughs> back and won. Um, and the Lions were celebrating at, essentially at halftime in this game. Or at least, you know, as you say, Gardner Johnson was. Basically celebrating. <laughs> this game's over. 17 points. Now, this game should have been over in in, in the second half because uh, the 49ers came back with a, a field goal um, by Jake Moody to make it 24-10 with 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. The Lions then get the ball back and they drive down the field. They get to the 49ers, I think it was about the 30-yard line. But the fourth down... And they go for it, and they miss it. Now, I know the analytics says you should go for it. I I get that. But what you should be doing is <laughs> taking your lead back up to 17 points again. You know, and I don't know why teams consistently leave points on the field um, it's, it's every time we speak about it, it's the losing team that does this, just leaving points out there. Um, and it was shortly after that that um, Brandon Ayuk had his touchdown from Brock Purdy to make it seventeen twenty four, and then the as you mentioned, the should have been intercepted ball. I mean, it, it literally hits the Detroit Lions right through his hands. Uh, the Lions player bounce off his helmet and into the arms of Ayuk for that one. <laughs> and, and you're just going. How did that even happen? And at that point, I think from the point when the Lions went for it and fourth down, didn't get it. That was, if you could pin it on one sort of momentum shift, that's where it happened. 
The Fortnite is my, my problem with the. Oh, sorry, I don't want to go. No, no, no. On you go. No, on you go. My my problem with the fourth down calls is uh, the main defence being well. This is what the Lions do. They always go for a fourth down. You know, this is what they got them there. They're sticking to to their thing. That, that's not, just not simply not true. The inconsistencies even in this game. They had a fourth and two from the twenty eighth with a chance to go three scores. That one you just mentioned. They went for it. Uh, Reynolds should have catched it, but they drop it, so they don't yeah. get it. They have a fourth and three from the thirty down three to tie up the game. Instead, they pass it deep to St. Brown, don't get it. And you think, okay, well, if you're going to go for every fourth down, you know, you're not going to get them all. They, they, you know, the Reynolds one they should have had. Well, right before half time, they had a fourth and goal from the three. Mm. Up 14, similar to the fourth and two, 28, and they settled for a field goal from the three-yard line. So if you go for it every time, why? well, you don't, because before the half, you thought, well, 17 points is great. We'll go up 17 points, you know, great first half. We don't need to risk it from the three-yard line where we've got a great rushing attack and we might get a touchdown. So what changes in the second half where you could go back up three scores with less time? I, I, I don't understand the thought process. That, that is my main gripe with it, is the inconsistency. Yeah, I could understand if you're up by, you know, one. <laughs> up by two, going for it. Because you're like, well, you know, even if you kick a field goal, it's only one score. You're up by two. If you kick the field goal, it's three scores. Just kick, just take the points. And I, 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 I didn't like it. I didn't get it. And I was thinking, I, I don't know what's going on. And, and because of that, that was it was right after that when there was a big, huge bomb to Ayuk. And, and you could just tell something was brewing at that point. And Ewan McPhail was absolutely devastated when I spoke to him on Monday. He, he was devastated with that loss. And rightly so, because the Lions played well enough to win this game and threw it away. A bit like the Ravens. Played well enough to win it and just handed it over. Uh, which is not to say that the 49ers did not play well. Uh, the aforementioned uh, check made some catches. Oh my, word, that one <laughs> he made on the sidelines. The right at the, the first down marker with his toes just dragging an inch from the sideline. I think good because Purdy was about to be sacked in that game. It, it, sorry, on, on that play, just sort of squirmed out of it and then just threw it up and used check. I was like, oh, stretching at full length to catch that pass. It was, it was incredible. Um, Purdy did have the interception, wasn't very wise. Should have had another interception on the long one to Ayuk. But other than that, he did play well, and he was scrambling well. He was scrambling very well. Um, And the long and short of it is, the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, a quarterback. And because Dave's not here, Jake, I'm going to um, blow the old Brock Purdy hype train whistle. Yeah, there we go. Um, Now, the Super Bowl is coming up. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think, although I could be wrong, I don't think I'm going to be blowing my Brock Purdy hype train whistle in two weeks' time. Because I think the way the Chiefs have been the last three weeks, they just look inevitable. That defense is something else. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't need much help from his receivers. Needs a little bit of help. 
but he doesn't need much, as we've seen the last three games. Um, and I honestly believe the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl over the 49ers. Um, Jake, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your prediction. You're allowed to change it next week when I ask you again. So don't worry about it. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> if I just allowed. just say one team this week and the you other team, one next team this week. week one, exactly. <laughs> you're allowed to do that. Um, just, you know, what does your gut tell you right now? Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. Who is going to be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy on Super Bowl Sunday? I don't know if it's my gut, but the dread of the Chiefs sits with me. I will be rooting for the 49ers for the, the NFC. Um, I don't know. Dave will be rooting for the Chiefs, I guess, because anyone but the 49ers. And then yourself, I, I would hope you'll be on the 49ers with me because of Mahomes. But I, I dread that the, the Chiefs will win and that this kind of dynasty that the building kind of carries on. And one end, you that if they do win, you know, Kelsey might retire, Andy Reid might retire. So, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. But for the time being, uh, at least when it opened, the, the 49ers are two and a half point favourites. Uh, and I will believe in the 49ers. Okay, Fortnite. See, the, the thing is, I, you're right. I want the 49ers to win, okay? But I just think the Chiefs will. And actually, although I want the 49ers to win, if Mahomes wins another Super Bowl, I don't have any issues with that because I've got so much respect for him as a player. Do you know, I, I've, I've got no issues. And it helps your argument. Um, what's that? Oh, that, that helps your argument. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's not so much it helps my argument because my argument is flawless. Uh, but it will it'll take a bit more sting out of the detractors and people still say that uh, Mr. Brady's a goat. Uh, and you know, Mahomes is clearly better than he ever was. But of course, until he wins, at least I would say at least another two or three. Uh, you're always going to hear about Brady being the goat. Um, but I just I just think I think the Chiefs will do it. I do. That defense is playing so well, and uh, it, it, they look scary. Which is not to say the 49ers' defense isn't good. It isn't very good indeed. Because as we know, the Lions are a very explosive team, um, and they did. They got off to a huge fast start, and then the defense for the 49ers just came to play in the second half. Absolutely shut them down. And that 49ers offense, when they are hot, they are very. Very hot indeed. So it's going to be a great Super Bowl, I think, Jake. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Dave probably isn't, but he'll probably be rooting for the Chiefs, I reckon. Um, now, there has been, because we didn't cover this over the past two weeks, Jake, there has been a whole bunch of coaching uh, moves, contracts and um, apparent contracts and talks and all kinds of stuff going around with all the other teams who are not involved in the Super Bowl. Um, so why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off and tell us a few of the things that's been going on in and around the NFL this week? Yeah, we'll try and give a kind of a rundown of we'll mainly focus on the head coaches because they're, they're the main ones. We'll talk maybe some coordinators because there are some very interesting ones. Um, there were some firings in season, there were some at the end of the season, so we'll kind of just run through it. The first one up on my list here is Jared Mayo, uh, replacing Bill Belichick at, for the New England Patriots. They hired from within, so they didn't even bother with all this interviewing 500 times and ticking off these boxes. They just said, no, we've got a succession plan. This is our guy. Uh, was drafted by the Patriots, played linebacker for them, taken over. 
So kind of a completely new change uh, for the Patriots ever since I've watched the NFL. Bill Belichick has been the Patriots coach, so it's going to be strange uh, come the first game of the season, look at the sideline and not see him Bill. I'm interested to see what they do in Madden because anybody that plays Madden knows that he never gave his, his rights over for them to use his likeness. So the New England Patriots coach was always just some random guy. And it's, you know, there's all these NFL coaches and then just some random guy you've never heard of with a random face. So <laughs> EA may be happy. Uh, but what do you think of uh, Jeremiah taking over at the Patriots? I think it's um, a, a sort of tried and tested formula that works. Uh, more often than not. Uh, let's not forget that Bill Belichick became the coach of the Patriots after Bill Parcells left. Um, so, I don't know, it's like, Jared Mio continues on this. Uh, I don't think I like it. <laughs> Jared Mio was a great player. A great player. Um, and I think that he learned an awful lot from Bill Belichick. An awful lot. And if they can get that offense going... Um, we obviously we need to wait and see what they do at the quarterback position. It's just because it's clearly not working what they've been doing the past <laughs> couple of years. I mean, you know, good grief. Uh, past three years, four years, it's just absolutely not worked in New England. They need to sort that out. But I like the hire. I, I do like Jared Mayo. Um, I think he'll do well. I think he's in a tough position because the Buffalo Bills uh, and the Miami Dolphins and, in fact, the Jets just have more talent. So I, I think he's in a tough position uh, as coach of the Patriots, but they've got a high draft pick coming up. So we'll see what he does. Um, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm not sure it'll be an immediate turnaround. I don't know if they'll immediately, you know, win 11 games next year or something like that, but I think we will see a marked improvement in the New England Patriots uh, purely because of the fact they've got a high draft pick, which they haven't had in ages. And the... I think he knows what he wants. I think he knows what to, needs to be done because it was never the Patriots' defense that let them down uh, over the past three, four years. It was always the offense, and it was just absolutely putrid at times, unfortunately. and uh, Unfortunately for them, great for me. I hate the Patriots. But <laughs> unfortunately for them and their fans. But we'll see. I, I, like, the, I like the Mayo signing. And I like the, the fact they did it in-house. Because now you mentioned the fact that you don't need to go and interview, 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 interview. Because uh, you already mentioned Bill Belichick had two interviews with Atlanta. You've got to think, what did they not hear in the first interview with Bill Belichick? I mean, really, does he have to say anything to be an upgrade over what you had? That's just... Honestly, Jake, I'll get your view on it because I know you you hate the Falcons, but what do you need to hear from Bill Belichick in an interview? Surely the only the only question I, is, do you want this job? I, I don't know. I think owners, very few owners are willing or happy to kind of hand over the keys. And Bill Belichick would, you know, we've kind of said, great coach, terrible GM. Um, you know, is he going in there and they're saying, okay, you can run the team? You know, that that's kind of where I assume the stumbling blocks came from, is ownership saying, we're looking to hire a head coach and a head coach only. Um, so I can only assume that was kind of the, you know, it's not, his credentials aren't the problem. It's the 
maybe the vision for the team. You know, if they're saying we still believe in Desmond Ridder or whatever, and the guy comes in and says, absolutely not, that's probably a stumbling block. And then I, I would imagine it came down to control as well. But sh- surely, I mean, if you're, if you're coming in as a head coach, regardless of who they bring in, he's going to go, well, I think this quarterback sucks. I want someone else. This guy's he's rubbish. So even like he's not a top 10 quarterback, I seriously doubt he's a top 32 quarterback. <laughs> I think there's backups in the league better than Desmond Ridder. Three or four of them, easily. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know, but anyway, we can't talk about it. Listen, we could go on about this for an hour, and I'm not doing that. Um, so, Jake, what other, what other uh, head coaching changes have been happening? We'll stay in the AFC, and we'll stay with the maybe the least surprising one. Um, we know Josh McDaniels was fired in season. Antonio Pierce took over as interim head coach. And the players, including Max Crosby, said, basically, if you don't hire Antonio Pierce full-time, we're out. So it wasn't so much a hire in terms of like, oh, we're going to interview and we're going to pick best available. It's like, we've got to, got to take on Antonio Pierce because if not, there's going to be a full-blown revolt. Uh, but he has now got rid of the interim title and is the official head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that's a very, very smart move. I didn't, I didn't think they would do that. Uh, I thought Mark Davis would want to bring in uh, a big name. I actually thought Belichick uh, at one point. Um, but if I mean if they had brought in somebody else and then Max Crosby demanded a transfer, <laughs> they, they were like, "Oh, hang on a second Or maybe I, I don't know. Let's say for, just for argument's sake, Max Crosby and Devontae Adams both demand a transfer if they get rid of Antonio Pierce. They were like, "Wow, well, maybe we shouldn't have done this," um, because of course we know our coach is very valuable, but so are your absolute franchise players, and they are the two best players on that team, offensively and defensively. So. Uh, I think they did the right thing. I think Antonio Pierce will do well. The Raiders looked so much better, so much better under Antonio Pierce than they did under Josh McDaniels. It wasn't even, I mean, it was insane. Um, do, do we know if McDaniels has got a job in it? Surely not. Has he got a job somewhere? Surely not. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Certainly not in the NFL that I'm aware of, but... I mean, the, these coaches that get like six-year contracts and then fired pretty early, I suppose they don't really need to. And he'll wash up uh, somewhere as a, an offensive quarter. And I've, I mentioned this a few times, and there was, seen as we're on here, I'll kind of, kind of quickly tangent. There are certain coaches mm-hmm. that are much better coordinators than they ever will be head coach. Oh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll use the example here of the, the Falcons we were just talking about dismiss their head coach, Arla Smith, and, and rightly so, because... mediocre at best but people seemingly forgot how great he was at Tennessee as their offensive coordinator made Ryan Tannehill look like an MVP half the time he was now hired by the Steelers and some Steelers fans are absolutely apoplectic thinking okay oh he's going to use our third wide receiver and our fourth tight end and oh he's an awful head coach that might be right he might be a bad head coach he was a fantastic offensive coordinator. And there's Brandon Staley, who's the former Rams defensive coordinator who went mm-hmm. to the Chargers. Mm-hmm. He's being interviewed by the, the Rams. And I'm sure there'll probably be Rams fans out there going, oh, I don't want Brandon Staley. He's a great offensive coordinator. That Dennis Allen. Yeah, fantastic yeah. defensive coordinator. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Maybe not a good head coach. That's, that's just a fact. 
but he was a good defensive coordinator. So I'm sure if and when, and God please be a when, he is fired, he will eventually get another job as a defensive coordinator and, and, and do fantastic. And I think someone mentioned Steve Spagnolo, terrible head coach, terrible head coach, great defensive coordinator. It, 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 it's always coordinators, good, like great coordinators who become great head coaches are so rare. Yeah, it's so rare because I think people forget it's rare to get a great coach. It's it's so rare. There's not many great head coaches out there. If you look at the NFL today and you think, well, how many head coaches would I say, oh, they're an absolutely great head coach? It's not like, you know, 70% of the league. It should be, but it's not. And, you know, you talk about some of these coordinators. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, you can say guys like, Bill Walsh was a coordinator before he was a head coach. Bill Belichick was a coordinator before his. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. Mike Shanahan, people like that. But it works the other way. Wade Phillips is always the one I, I think of. When you talk about that, mm-hmm. arguably, okay, you could maybe say Bill Belichick, but arguably the best defensive coordinator of all time. His defenses just absolutely tore people to shreds, just killed them stone dead. As a head coach, he was barely mediocre. He was mediocre at the Bills, very mediocre at the Cowboys as a head coach. And he says, ah, I've had enough of this. I'll go back to being a defensive coordinator. Oh, number one defense in the league. <laughs> so, yeah, you're like, okay, there you go. And, and that's going to happen. Um, I think when... Even like Gary Kubiak, who is an incredible offensive coordinator and a great quarterbacks coach. Yes, he won a Super Bowl as a head coach, but only when he had Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator. And I think that says a lot. Vic Fangio. No one would say Vic Fangio is mm-hmm. not a good defensive coordinator. <laughs> as a head coach, you're like, what? That was just, it just did not work. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with Dennis Allen. Surely, surely. Oh, we will wait with with bated breath. Sure. Uh, but back to the head coaches. And I mentioned Brandon Staley, and we've just talked about the Raiders. So mm-hmm. we'll stay in the AFC, and we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh going from winning a national championship with Michigan to now the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. How do you feel about that in your division? It's a little bit worrying, not going to lie. Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers to the Super Bowl with a lot less talent than he's walking into uh, with the Chargers. So, ah, I'm a wee bit worried. <laughs> we know he's a defensive-minded coach, but he loves the, he loves the big play offense. Jim Harbaugh, he loves it. And um, it, I, I think it's going to depend on who the... Uh, do we know who the offensive coordinator is going to be? Do we know who I'm that is? not entirely sure. I don't think I've got... Because they, they keep the changing their offensive, offensive coordinator. I'm not sure Justin Herbert's had the same guy for two years. No, I know they've got Joe Harper as head coach and then Joe Hortitz, or I want to say Hortitz, as their general manager, because obviously they fired Tom Telesco as well, course, but I don't yes. have anyone down for their offensive coordinator. They, they had Kellen Moore, but he's off to, to the Eagles. Yeah. So he's either way, he's going to have a new offensive coordinator again. Again, and... It's just that the Chargers, I know we've mentioned this before, but even historically, the Chargers have had some of the most talented rosters in the entire NFL. And for one reason or another, it just hasn't worked out. And I think if anyone can change that, it is 
Jim Harbaugh. I wanted Harbaugh for the Broncos before, because I thought, I don't know if you remember, Jake, this was uh, before they signed Peyton. Um, I think you'd ask me, or, or David asked me, says, who do you want? And I says, I want Harbaugh. We've got no chance of getting Sean Payton. So I want Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, you know, there's no chance of getting Sean Payton. We want Jim Harbaugh. And then we got Sean Payton. So I was like, okay, I'll take that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'll, I'll love it. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, but Harbaugh was my choice. Second choice after Sean Payton. We, we got the guy that I wanted. Um, and... Sean Payton is, is a great head coach. I know that I know the Broncos didn't do particularly well this year, but he is a great head coach. Um, the, I think the only thing that we suffered from was letting go from Ejiro Evero. Uh, from he went off to was it Carolina? He went. To, it was Carolina. He yeah, went he went off to Carolina. Um, and I think the defense really took a, a a bit of a hit when he left. Harbaugh to the to the Chargers. That's going to be rough now. That's going to be that's going to make the AFC West very very tough for us. Not not that it already isn't with Kansas City and Andy. Good grief! I think the only news I saw for the Broncos, and you'll f- may, may find this way, don't overreact too soon. Pete Carmichael has been hired by the Broncos, and again, even as someone who's been very vocal against Pete Carmichael because he was not a good offensive coordinator. He never wanted to be an offensive coordinator. He was cooking up in the lab with Sean Payton for years and years and years in the brand ground. He came over after Katrina, same time as Payton, was always on the offensive staff, but just not heavily involved, you know, with quarterbacks and just kind of in the background, cooking up plays, happy as Larry. And then the Saints basically forced him to be the offensive coordinator. They were like, yeah, we really value you. We're promoting you to offensive coordinator. And he was like, I don't want to be offensive coordinator. And they're like, no, you're the offensive coordinator. Um, it obviously did not go well, did not end well. Um, he's now reunited with Sean Payton. And I think, again, similar, you know, Saints fans or even Broncos fans who've kept an eye on the, the Saints go, oh, this is terrible. Why are we hiring this guy? I think that's a good pickup. Uh, you know, the, the Broncos he, are trying to be like the Saints and, the, the, you know, the, the good Saints, which is is interesting. And the Saints are trying to be like the Raiders, which is even more interesting. <laughs> well, uh, he doesn't need to be the offensive coordinator in Denver because Sean mm-hmm. Payton's calling the plays. So he, he, he will be do... happy, he'll be comfortable. What, whatever it was that he was doing in New Orleans, you know, like Sean Payton said, listen, you take care of the tight ends. <laughs> or, or you know, you, offensive line, you deal with that. Let me draw up the plays. You deal with the, I don't know, the quarterback's throwing motion, whatever it is, just one thing. You do that, let me call the plays, and we'll we'll be fine if we do that. Um, now, obviously, you, you mentioned your own Saints there, Jake, and lots of things have happened, but Dennis Allen's still there. It's like the one thing that you wanted to happen didn't happen. Um, but do you honestly, I mean, has he like re-signed a contract or, or do you think they're just biding their time to see if they can get somebody else? Or, or is that you just hoping beyond hope? Oh, they're just biding the time and they, they got rid of, uh, Pete Carmichael said they've got rid of a few things they've promoted from within. Um, Mickey Loomis has kind of taken a, a, a higher title, which hopefully means he's taken a step back so he doesn't particularly care about the Saints, so... Um, and then the offensive coordinator, I mean, we've interviewed Jared Johnson twice. He's already basically said, ah, enough of this circus, I'm going to stay with the Texans. Uh, we've interviewed Luke Getsky, uh twice, the Bears offensive coordinator, or the former Bears coordinator. We've interviewed 
uh, Greg Lewis, Clint Kubiak, Brian Greasy, Ronald Corey, Mike Sullivan, Brian Johnson. Um, we looked at Zach Robinson, Dan Pitcher, and Shane Waldron, who have already got jobs because you can't wait around forever. To me, and I'm just hoping because it's not John Gruden, I'm hoping that, using logic, we are now waiting for the 49ers to finish their season and go after either Brian Greasy or Clint Kubiak on the, the 49ers coaching mm. staff. I'm all for not rushing to get your man and, and, you know, interviewing one guy and falling in love and saying, okay, and, you know, call off the search, this is our guy. But uh, at the same time, the longer you wait, the more people that get snapped up. Zach Robinson joined Raheem Morris at the Falcons. Mm-hmm. You know, Shane Waldron's gone to the Bears. You know, these good targets, they've, they've got better offers or they're not going to wait around for you to sort it out. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I'll hold my breath and I just pray it's not John Gruden because I've, I've made my opinion very clear on that. You, you certainly have. Um, I think if you get Clint Kubiak, that's a, that's a good signing. I think if you get Kubiak, because uh, that whole, he's, I mean, he's just part of the whole, it's the whole Shanahan tree. It really is. Um, in fact, the fact that Gary Kubiak was in, Mike Shanahan's tree, uh, yeah. and then with Clint Kubiak and with Mike Shanahan and uh, with uh, with um, Kyle Shanahan, sorry, I mean it's like you know you, you can't go wrong. One big it's happy a, family. Yeah, well, it's a, a winning formula, and it, here we are again. Fort Niners are in the Super Bowl with a Shanahan and a Kubiak. Where have we heard this before? Oh, that's right, <laughs> in the nineties when Shanahan was offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak was quarterback coach for the Fort Niners in nineteen ninety four. And they won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, I think I think that would be a great. But uh, Brian Greasy, um, that, that would be an interesting one as well. Yeah, that would be a very interesting it w- one. It certainly would be. And I'll, I'll hold my breath. And at the same time, people will say, you know, and, and Saints sort of thing, you know, the Saints job is not appealing in any way, shape, or form. You're kind of tied to, to Derek Carr for at least another year. You know, you've got Dennis Allen. Michael Thomas is on his way out. Just freely replying to people on Twitter and, and saying everything that Saints fans feel, and which is an interesting career move. But you know, it's great to read because you know you, you feel like you're not crazy. But at the same time, I would say the Saints job maybe it's slightly more attractive that the head coach probably won't be there that long. So you could go in as an offensive coordinator, and by Thanksgiving you could be a head coach. So uh, you know, there's two ways to look at it. There is, and and we know that. Um Obviously, that, so over at Washington, you know, Ron Rivera was fired uh, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago in Washington. There, have they have they decided who that who that uh, head coach is going to be yet? No, Seattle and Washington are the only teams not to fully make a decision. Seems like Seattle uh, they're interviewing Mike McDonald for a second time. Obviously, the Ravens are now out, yeah. so he's got a bit more time. So uh, the writing's on the wall for that. I, I would assume that is is going to happen. And for Washington, for weeks, it's been, oh, well, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's going to be the head coach of the Commanders. And, you know, we're just waiting for the Lions to be knocked out. Well, Lions are knocked out, and Ben Johnson goes, well, I'm not finished. I'm not happy with how this is finished. Yeah, I'm going to stay with the Lions, which is the best news. I said it to you, and I said Merry Christmas. It's the best news the Lions have had this week. You know, it is. one thing that's going to help them kind of move over and kind of get over this loss quickly is the fact that they're keeping the band back together and Ben Johnson, who could be a head coach anytime he wants, I think. Yeah. Um, staying with them is, is fantastic. But yeah, Seattle and Washington still haven't hired a head coach. Yeah. Um, oh, yet, oh, 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 breaking news. 
Breaking news. Unsurprising. The least surprising breaking news of all time. Seattle Seahawks signed Mike McDonald as head coach. Nice. I wasn't. This is a bit. Literally just announced on NFL.com. Oh, my word. There you go. That, well, no, that never happens. Well. Oh, my word. On the WinFL show, how many times? Just remember, especially, I think it was all off-season. We would record our podcast, finish the podcast, and then within an hour, something had huge happened. And we're like, do we miss that? We need to wait until next week before we can announce it, like later than everyone else. So there you go. Fresh off the, the press, if you want to call it that. Seahawks have hired Mike McDonald. It is official. There you are. Wow. Well done, Jake. That was that was beautifully oh, Nail on the head. A- oh. Aged well. So it's just the commanders that haven't. Just the commanders. Still still don't have a head coach yet. I don't know what they're going to do because they've got the enemy as an offensive coordinator. But then if the you know, reports are correct, going after Ben Johnson is weird because he's not probably going to want Eric Bieniemy's as offensive coordinator. You know, if you're an offensive coordinator moving to a head coach, you probably don't want an established offensive coordinator there. So it's one to watch. Uh, certainly going to be an interesting one. You know, Vrabel's still out there. Belichick's still out there. You know, there's, there's good head coaches just lying about. So, Of course, because um, I don't know if we mentioned it last week with, with uh, Mike Vrabel being fired from the Titans. They've uh, brought in Brian Callahan uh, mm-hmm. over in Tennessee. Uh, you also have the Carolina Panthers who brought in Dave Canales. Ca- Canales? Yes. Canales. Canales. We'll go with Canales. Um, go to Canales, replace, yeah. obviously, Frank Reich, who just had a horrendous time in Carolina. Absolutely horrendous time in Carolina. Um, so, I mean, Canales was, was the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. Um, mm-hmm. He stays in the NFC South to join the, the Panthers. Um I, what do you think? What do you think with Canales over in, in Carolina there uh, of that signing? I I quite like it. Um, it's not like a big name signing, and I I quite like that with Carolina just going. We'll take a former coordinator. Uh, the, the the Buccaneers offense looked pretty good. Baker looked good. Uh, we we don't need to talk about Mike Evans looking good. He always looks good. Uh, but, you know, I think he did seem to get the best out of Bacon Mayfield down the stretch there. And I think they're definitely going to be looking for him to try and work with, with Bryce Young then in Carolina. What do you think? I think it's great news for Bryce Young. I mean, two years ago, he helped Geno Smith. He was on the, the Seattle Seahawks offense. Um, helped Geno Smith have a, a huge revival year. Then he moves over to Tampa Bay. Bacon Mayfield has probably the best year of his career. So, I mean, from Bryce's, a Bryce Young's standpoint, he's got to be pretty happy that he's got this kind of coach coming in to help him. There's still a big cloud over the Panthers that their owner is a moron. So how much time and how much <laughs> space and kind of freedom he gets uh, is interesting. I mean, they give, who was it? Um, his name escapes me now. The, the former college uh, it begins with a North. The, the previous head coach before Frank Reich, they gave him like a seven-year uh, contract that they did not learn because they've given Dave Canales a six-year contract with how kind of hot on the button Tepper is. Uh, you know, if it starts badly, I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes off. Oh, I'll find a new guy. So I, I think it's great for Bryce Young. I think it's great for Canales. My main worry for the Panthers would be higher up their owner being 
Yeah. A, a, an eccentric billionaire. Yeah, I mean, eccentric's one way of putting it. The man's an idiot. He just really is. Um, now, you mentioned already that um, Kellen Moore is the new offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Vic Fangio, who we mentioned earlier, uh, is the new defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. That's that's two big signings for the Eagles uh, in, in the yeah. NFC East there. And I think a lot of that was just to do with the way they absolutely collapsed down the stretch um so to, i mean big signing both offensive and defensive coordinators that's that's big for philly what do you think yeah so last year they had a great year and then lost shane steichen and we keep on doing this and i keep on thinking of names shane steichen and the other coordinator who's uh, now a head coach as well jonathan gannon it came to me it came to me <laughs> uh they lost both their coordinators and then this year went into the year, um, didn't really hire anyone, kind of kept it within. They was looking to get Vic Fangio, and then it kind of fell by the wayside. So this year, I think they've gone, that didn't work. Um, maybe we should, you know, look at actually hiring defensive and offensive coordinators. So getting Vic Fangio a year later than they, they should have, um, you know, better late than never. I think that's a great hire. And then Kellen Moore, I really don't know how to feel because... He's getting head coach interviews, and the name sounds great, but he was at Dallas. He leaves Dallas, and they have a really, really good year offensively, a much better year than they had with him. And then the Chargers, who have a great offense under him, don't have a great offense. So I think name value, it seems like a good move. I am a bit dubious, because if you're an offensive coordinator and the team you are on does better without you, and the team you move to does worse with you, that doesn't kind of reek of success to me um yeah and it's sort of not obviously not to the same extent but i think this past season has really hurt eric Bieniemy's chances because mm -hmm. washington played much worse now if you scratch under the surface on that it's clear as to why that is <laughs> i mean um the, the the team just didn't play well I don't think it's anything to do with, you know, the plays that were drawn up and that the quarterback play was god-awful for the commanders this year. Absolutely. And, but people just look at the stats and say, oh, well, you know, they were the 20th-ranked offense and then in comes Biennemi and their 24th-ranked offense. So, yeah, but they played much worse. You know, the passes were sailing over receivers' heads. Guys were fumbling all over the place. That's not the coordinator's fault. If someone fumbles the ball or if the quarterback misses his receiver by 10 yards, you can't blame the coordinator for that. And with Kansas City getting to the Super Bowl, they're going, oh, well, you know, they didn't miss him. Really? Patrick Mahomes has his by far and away the worst year of his career, statistically. And you don't think that's got anything to do with the enemy not being there. So I, I, I don't believe that, but there's still... You, you're seeing these things and, and to be fair it's mostly on social media which let's be honest is a hotbed of garbage uh seeing things like you know eric b enemy isn't all that and he he really i i think it is in the public eye this year really hurt him uh the perception but i think anyone who knows anything about eric b enemy knows that he should be the head coach in washington and you just think well, what's what's going on here what are they doing? And and I don't know. But then at the time I said, I don't know why the enemy's leaving Kansas City. 
mm-hmm. become a coordinator another team when I think we all agreed he could stay at the Chiefs and maybe rack up another couple of rings and you know the way this year is going like you, you could have maybe had another ring there at least one more Eric but I mean what do you make of the whole situation over in Washington? Yeah, I mean, we said it at the time when Bionami left to be an offensive coordinator, you're thinking, well, that's, unless he's been guaranteed, basically, when um, Rivera leaves, he takes over. It makes no sense because you stay on the Chiefs. You've, you know, you've got the keys to Pat Mahomes. I mean, the, the, you, the current offensive coordinator, I believe, for the Chiefs is Matt Nagy. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. <laughs> Matt it's, it's Nagy. The Home show. I mean, Matt, like, sorry, Matt, if you're listening, no offense, but... Come on. And I was like, really? Matt, the same Matt Nagy, the same guy, is the offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl this year. I believe, sorry, because uh, he was on the, obviously, once he was fired from the Bears, joined back up with the Chiefs under um, the enemy and, and Andy Reid. And once uh, the enemy left, I, th- I believe he just kind of took over. But, you know, you could have stayed with the Chiefs. You win this Super Bowl, like I say, if you win this Super Bowl, it, you know, I would be very surprised if Andy Reid doesn't say, I'm good, you know, I've done everything I need to do, because they were talking about that last Super Bowl that he might lose. So this yeah. year, if he wins, he might just hang it up. You've got the keys to Pat Mahomes, probably. So taking a, a lateral move was questionable, mm. and you had to assume, or I did anyway, and you know what assuming does, so I suppose that's on me, that if Ron Rivera leaves, you're, you know, head coach in waiting. Well, Ron Rivera leaves, and you're not the head coach, and they're interviewing all sorts of uh, candidates. They're interviewing offensive candidates as well. It's not like they're looking for a defensive head coach and they're going to keep you as an offensive coordinator. They're looking everywhere. So I don't, I don't know the situation in Washington. Um, it's a bit of a mess. They've, they've got Adam Peters as their, their new GM, but they are the last kind of domino to fall in terms of head coach, it's, and it's certainly it's going to be just, an interesting one. It, it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. None. I, I'm I'm bewildered at what Washington are doing. Um, I forget where they're picking this year's draft. Do you have any idea? Uh, I absolutely forget. Draft, but... Bear with me two seconds, and I will tell you where they are picking. Second, second, they've got the second overall pick. Here's what Washington need to do. So if you're if you're listening, this is what you need to do, Washington. You hire Bill Belichick as your head coach. If you're not promoting the enemy, if you're not going to do that, you hire Bill Belichick as your head coach. He runs the defense. You draft a good quarterback. Give it to Eric Bieniemy. Boom. I just sorted you for the next five years. There you are. Finished. Bring in one of the greatest defensive minds of all time as your head coach. Let Bieniemy run the offense and give him something to work with. And if you if you think that your, your man... Um, Howell is the guy. I really don't think he is. But if you think he is, then draft Marvin Harrison Jr., a second overall. Have him opposite Scary Terry. I mean, what more could you ask for? Jake, do you think I'm talking nonsense or do you think I'm absolute genius? I mean, like I say, Frable and Belichick are out there. So to me, if the enemy is going to be your offensive coordinator still, it would make a lot more sense to me to go out and get a Vrabel or a Belichick mm-hmm. to run the defense and be the head coach. And if Eric Bieniemy seemingly is okay with being a coordinator for the rest of his life, um, have him run the offense. And like say, it'll be Caleb Williams or Drake May, more than likely, uh, one, two. So mm-hmm. picking up a, a new quarterback for Eric Bieniemy to play with, and why not? And like say, that would make the most sense. But I don't know how I would feel if I, I was there at Bieniemy. Because if you're the offensive coordinator 
assuming you're going to be the head coach, and then they're bringing in other offensive coordinators to take your job. It's it's a sticky situation. I I can't believe they'll hire an offensive-minded coach. I just surely not. That'd be the dumbest I thing. Keep on they hoping. Could do. I'll refresh on Twitter and see if we can get more breaking oh, news. I don't think it's going to come anytime soon. Any breaking news going on? Just <laughs> for ESPN.com. Let's go to that. Um, it 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 just makes no sense. It would make little zero sense for them to go out and hire an offensive. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Could you imagine if they signed Josh McDaniels? <laughs> like what? That'd be the worst thing they could do. We had Josh McDaniels to that. Uh, no, nothing yet. Nothing yet. Those breaking news is still Seahawks hiring McDonald as coach. I'm going to say we broke that first before ESPN. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I don't know if we did. But I'm Depends when the did. podcast started. I said pretty early, so we might we might have a, we might a legitimate have case. We might have done, yeah. Um, so there you are. But that, that's, that's pretty much all the coaching changes that have gone around the NFL. Of course, we're going to uh, keep it up. We've got a podcast next week. Obviously, there's no, no games next week. So we've got a whole podcast full of just, you know, what's going on, uh, news and stuff like that. Um, so this week is obviously a slightly shorter podcast, but uh, we've always got time, Jake, for random stats. Random stats. So I actually have, uh, Dave sent me his random stats. So I'll give you his random stat first. Um, and then do you want me to give you mine and then you can finish this off? How does that sound? Sounds good, sounds good. So, Jake, uh, Dave's, sorry, <laughs> there we go. Uh, Dave's trying to set it, of course, he's written this as an entire story. So you'll need to bear with me. I am reading this verbatim. <laughs> and Dave says, for his random stat, I want to highlight a record-breaking player who has, two, who has had two incredible years in the NFL. In two seasons as a linebacker, he has 259 tackles, four sacks, one pick six, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. However, that is nothing compared to his record. He is the only player ever to be ejected from two NFL games in one season. He was ejected. <laughs> this is Dave, what can you say? <laughs> he was ejected in week eight against the Buffalo Bills after an altercation, his words, uh, with Bills practice squad tight end Zach Davidson following a play where he made a tackle on the Bills sideline. He was ejected a second time in week 18 against the Detroit Lions after shoving a member of the Lions medical staff, becoming the only player since the 2000 NFL season when they started recording the stat to be ejected more than once in a single season. His name is Key Walker of the Green Bay Packers. And as Dave says, the Packer version of Dre Greenlaw. <laughs> Quay Walker, man. What, what, some boy. And that is, uh, that's Dave's random stat. Sorry, I said Key Walker. It is, it is spe it's spelled Quay. Is, does, it, does he pronounce it Quay? I, I think so. That's how I've always... I don't know if that's right, but that's why I do it. And if you do it confidently, nobody nobody will say otherwise. Do you know what? You're probably right. Probably right. Uh, so, yeah, that's Dave's random stat. So, uh, I'll give you mine, Jake. Um, now, my random stat and next week's random stat as well will concern the Super Bowl. Of course it does. There are four teams who have played in the Super Bowl, who are undefeated. And there are eight teams 
who have played in the Super Bowl and are winless. The winless teams are the Cardinals, who are 0-1, the Titans, who are 0-1, the Chargers, who are 0-1, the Panthers are 0-2, the Falcons are 0-2, the Bengals are 0-3, and then, of course, famously, the Bills and the Vikings are both 0-4. Of the uh, undefeated teams... Uh, there are only two teams who played in multiple Super Bowls are undefeated. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens are both 2-0. We then have the New York Jets, 1-0 in 1968. And of course, Jake, the 2009 New Orleans Saints, 1-0. They are the only four teams to be unbeaten in the Super Bowl. Uh, and as I say, there are eight teams who are winless in the Super Bowl. And that is my random stat. I love it because it's, it's some positivity about the Saints. So how can you not? Quite right. Quite right. Well, mine is going to be very similar to yours this week and next week about the Super Bowl. Um, I've got two, so I'll save one for next week. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll, I'll do this one. And I'd like to start off with apologizing to Christian. If you don't want to be depressed, don't listen to this stat. <laughs> um, <laughs> most wins by a coach-quarterback combo in Allegiant Stadium history, which is the, the Raiders' new stadium or newish stadium. So you have John Gruden and Derek Carr, who combined for four wins. You have Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, who combined for four wins. You then have Antonio Pierce and Aidan O'Connell, combining for four wins. There is one other combination that has four wins, and that is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can take sole possession of the lead with a win in the Super Bowl. So if the Chiefs win, they will have the most wins by a coach-quarterback combination in Allegiant Stadium history. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That was Apologies, like, Christian. That, that was like the, the, was it the wild card game between the Packers and the, the Cowboys? Where the Packers have won more playoff games than Jerry World than the Cowboys have. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant oh, yeah. sorry Christian if you're listening I'm not really sorry he's a Raiders fan I hate the Raiders he knows that he knows that uh, yeah well, listen what can you say when when the um, prior to the AFC Championship game uh, it was I, I'm sure you heard this Jake it was all the talk was about uh, Patrick Mahomes we need to see what he can do on the road Need to see if he can win on the road. That was all, that's all, all the talk is about. Can he win on the road? First time he's ever played on the road in the in the playoffs. Um, and what everybody seemed to forget was Patrick Mahomes has a better record on the road than he does at Arrowhead, which is absolutely bonkers. He's a better winning percentage away from home than he does. At home. Uh, very similar. Uh, I, I saw someone, and I, I don't have the stats at all in front of me, the numbers, but uh, Joe Montana had a better winning record away than the, uh, he had when he played the 49ers at Candlestick Park. It's, it's just bizarre to think that, that any team could be better away from home than at home. I, I love these kind of things. And I, I saw one uh, before the Ravens game where uh, the referee was announced who, who was going to be the lead referee. And they said, oh, when this guy is the referee, 
Patrick Mahomes wins 78.3% of the games. And then all the replies were like, yeah, but Patrick Mahomes wins 78.3% of all games. So it doesn't matter who the, you know, who the referee is. Let's not pretend that every other time it's 20% of the games he wins. That's just his win percentage. I would, I would love that it was like, oh, you know, every, every time Patrick Mahomes is on NBC, he wins 78% of the time. It's like, well, if that's his, if that's his winning percentage, then yeah, it's, it's going to be that. The, the number, I, I, I was watching a, a video on, on the Rich Eisen show, um, one of his YouTube videos, and they put up a, um, Mahomes' numbers, uh, like uh, playoff numbers and career numbers, since, because uh, he's, what is he, 28 now? And, uh, Don't depress me and tell me he's the same age as me. Uh, he's 28 years old. <laughs> and uh, it's just uh, absolutely, the, the difference in numbers between Patrick Mahomes and everyone else who's ever played this game are ridiculous. It's It's just ridiculous. Um, and you know, like when I remember when when Peyton Manning was like you know playing at the height of his powers um, through the early two thousands, there two thousand four and two thousand five, and and I was thinking this is this is what you call a generational talent. This is a guy who is doing things that nobody else has been able to do in years. And uh, said the same thing when Dan Marino was playing in the eighties. Like look at what this guy's doing in the eighties. And now Patrick Mahomes comes along and he's just blowing. And I, I appreciate the game's changed. And, you know, the, so the stats get inflated. I get that. But it's just like wins and losses. And you're like, it's unbelievable. This guy does. And it annoys me so much because he plays for the Chiefs. It annoys me so much. And I'm just like, oh, it kills me a little bit inside every time Mahomes wins. Um, but I've got I've got more respect for him than any other quarterback in the NFL because he's so unassuming. Um, and you hear people talk about, uh, you know, like natural talent. First of all, Bags a natural talent. Um, and then this compared him to like Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, yeah, you can because natural talent. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most gifted quarterbacks ever. I absolutely agree with that. But the guy's an absolute moron. <laughs> I can't. Personal, I cannot Stand Aaron Rodgers. Like, I hate the man. And I can't bring myself to hate Patrick Mahomes. I should. I absolutely should. And I just can't do it because he comes across such a nice guy. And that annoys me even more that he's a nice guy. I'm hoping something awful comes about Patrick Mahomes that I can hate him for and say, I'm justified. Justified with my hatred of this man. But um, it's it's hard to do because he's such a likable guy. And, you know. What, what can you say about Patrick Mahomes? We haven't already said. But then, listen, on the flip side of this, the guy he's facing in the Super Bowl, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. What a story. What a story. And if they win the Super Bowl in two weeks' time, then, oh my word, that's just going to be... That, that'll be a story for all time. If Brock Purdy, as Mr. Irrelevant, can win a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Um, I don't really know if there's anything else we can say about that. Well, if there is, we'll cover it next week. So obviously, I don't think we're going to talk too much about the, the Pro Bowl. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'll be even tuning in to, to watch much of this uh, Pro Bowl all, all-star thing. Definitely. So next week, we can focus solely on the, the Super Bowl and what's to be. Yes, we can. Next week, we will be focusing on the Super Bowl. We will get everyone's proper predictions. Uh, including scores, of course, for the Super Bowl. Um, we should hopefully have Dave back with us uh, again next week as well. 
Um, and now, episode 97 now, Jake. What do you think of that? I'm counting down the episodes. <laughs> counting down the episodes. It's insane to think we've been talking for God knows how many hours and people listen somehow. See, that's the thing that gets me, that people actually listen. My own wife, my lovely wife, she cannot believe that people listen to this podcast. She she was seeing that um, her boss at her work uh, subscribed to the podcast. And uh, I was like, oh, does he, does he like the NFL? She goes, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> said, I, I just mentioned that you do a podcast. So he said, you know, what's it called? And he subscribed. And, he and, and I think it was a couple of days later. Uh, he said, oh, I, I listened to the, the your husband's podcast. And she goes, what did you think? And he goes, well, I didn't understand any of it. I don't follow the NFL. <laughs> I was like, so, why, why are you listening? But I'm not going to say he shouldn't listen because I think it's good that people uh, tune in to our we podcast <laughs> to think that we started this two years ago and I, I didn't know we'd get through three episodes, but here we are nearly two years later uh, coming up for 100 episodes and it's just absolutely bonkers. Um, so on that note, thank you very much, Jake. Always a pleasure, my friend. And thank you to everyone listening at home. Don't forget you can catch us on Twix uh, at the WinFL show. You can also find myself, Jake, you can find Dave. Uh, many other people involved in the show as well are on there. Uh, feel free to ask us any questions that you want. Feel free to nominate a random stat, of course. And we will see you on next week's edition of the WinFL show. <laughs>